This is Chad from Boise, Idaho, also known as Kelpesh. And you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi with our friend, Rio. Rio. Well, thanks, Kelpesh, and this is Rico, and this is Treks in Sci-Fi, show number 134 for August the 12th, 2007. Yes, I'm back from uh, Taiwan, safe and sound. Uh, it's good to be home. I got home a few days ago, earlier this week, about the middle of the week. Uh, was there a little more than a week? Everything went well business-wise, uh, very hot over there. I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Uh, upcoming on today's podcast, we're going to look at a Enterprise episode called Twilight. We've got a collectible and uh, some of the usual listener calls from uh, the uh, friends of the show. So stay tuned. Here we go. It's been a long road getting from Welcome to the show, everyone. Yes, that was the uh, theme song to the TV series Enterprise, or Star Trek Enterprise, as it became uh, later uh, in its run, uh, sung uh, by Russell Watson, Faith of the Heart. I always liked that song. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a bit of a change when they did a, uh, a song-type uh, theme for a Star Trek show. It, up until then, it had just been instrumentals, and it, it got a lot of resistance, of course, uh, at first, but I think it, it, for a lot of people, it kind of grew on them. Anyway, wanted to start the show with that. Uh, uh, as, uh, I haven't done this in a while, but I just uh, I always want to thank everyone for uh, downloading and listening to the podcast, whether you've been here since uh, way back since the show started or you've just discovered the show recently. You know, some people are just now getting into podcasts and using their iPods uh, more or just listening on their computer or whatever. But uh, welcome to the show, everyone. This show is about uh, science fiction, Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, everything that us geeks like uh, on TV and movies. Uh, we talk about uh, lots of different subjects. So uh, this week's going to be mostly about the uh, show Enterprise. Like I said earlier, we're going to cover one of uh, the third season episodes, which I think is a really good one, called Twilight. So that'll be upcoming on the show. Yeah, I was uh, in Taiwan for eh, seven or eight days or so. It's a it's a really long flight. Uh, I've been over there a few times, so I've talked about this a little bit before. I won't talk about it a lot on the podcast, but uh, you know, it's it's really a fascinating, uh, interesting place. Uh, to quote our uh, favorite Vulcan, it's got a lot of different things you don't see anywhere else in the world. Uh, these markets on the streets, you can buy all these weird kinds of foods. Uh, they have great fruits and vegetables and things like that there, of course, because it's a very uh, warm climate. Uh, it was very hot when I was there. You know, in the upper 90s with about that much humidity, uh, it was, uh, you know, it's the kind of heat that just, just kind of overwhelms you if you're not careful. So I, I tried to stick to the shade, uh, drank a lot of liquids, and, uh, you know, got out and about. Uh, the, the place I go to is called Dolio, which is in... Uh, more, I guess, mid to south uh, Taiwan. Taipei is in the very north uh, of the uh, country. That's what you fly into. And then where I stay is about a three-hour drive away down in uh, the more southern part, uh, mid to south, like I said, of the country. Uh, it's not a really big country. You know, a lot of people uh, maybe don't realize that. A lot of people, a lot of population, but uh, but not a really big country, just a little off the coast of China. 
and uh, but a very interesting place. Uh, and since I've been there a few times, it's a little easier each time when I go. I feel a little more, more comfortable, even though my Chinese or Mandarin is still uh, is still pretty weak. I, I know a few words, and I, I do a lot of pointing at menus and say that looks good, you know, and just point to pictures and things like that. So I get by. But uh, I'm back now, and uh, we're going to be doing a pretty much normal podcast this week. Like I said, we're going to do an Enterprise episode. We've got a a real long Comic-Con report, and uh, it's really good. It's from our friend Kenny in California. I know Comic-Con was a couple of weeks ago now, but with me being out of the country and Kenny, I think, is just getting all this stuff wrapped up about uh, what he saw and experienced at Comic-Con. He gave us a few reports on uh, one of my previous podcasts, and this is another one. So listen to Kenny. This is about 10, 11 minutes, maybe 12, 12 minutes long. Uh, his experiences at Comic-Con, and then I'll be back. Hey, Rico, this is Kenny from California. I'm just calling in with my uh, second report for San Diego Comic-Con. This is for Saturday and Sunday. Saturday was going to be my busiest day. Um, I had planned to stay in Ballroom 20, which is uh, the second largest room, and uh, wanted to stay for all the events that were happening in there. So I was actually in there from 10 a.m. to about 6 p.m. First event was the Bionic Woman pilot preview, which I really wanted to see. There were tons of people there. Uh, I got there probably around 9 o'clock, assuming I would get in line early. But the line went around the corner, down the block. Um, There had to have been a few thousand people there. Come to find out that they were there for the Heroes panel, which wasn't going to happen until 1230 which was like the third panel in that room, but people wanted to make sure they got in. So I got in line. I actually got in. I got a halfway decent seat, and I did not move for the rest of the day. Um, I made sure I brought lunch with me because I knew I wasn't going to be able to leave the room. Um, So the first panel was Bionic Woman. They had um, the Bionic Woman herself. Um, I don't remember her name. It's a new actress from England. They had a few other stars and the creator, and the panel was a lot of fun. They first showed... Uh, 30-minute pilot. It was kind of cool knowing that we saw a pilot that will never air. And it looked really good. Uh, Katie Sackhoff played the bad bionic woman. She was the first one who kind of went crazy. So, yeah. So, that was a lot of fun. It was was very enjoyable. And and I think the bionic woman is going to be a pretty cool uh, TV series. And I look forward to watching it when it premieres in the fall on NBC. The next panel was uh, called TV Guide's Hot List. And it was pretty much uh, sci-fi, fantasy-related programs. Um, TV Guide, I guess, picked some you know up-and-coming hot actors, uh, TV shows. There were uh, obviously the Bionic Woman and uh, the producer of it uh, from the 4400s. There was uh, the director and one of the actors. Also from Kyle XY, the main actor Matt Dallas, he was there. Um, from Jericho, Ski Eric was there. And um, Heroes had uh, Hiro Nakamura, Masioka, and Tim Kring, the creator. That was a lot of fun panel. Um, I didn't particularly have to watch it, but uh, since you know, it was in between the Bionic Woman and the Heroes panel, I pretty much just stayed and uh, actually really enjoyed it. Uh, they didn't really reveal much about what's happening or what's going to happen, um, but it was still a fun panel to, uh, to sit back and... And enjoy, and uh, I think the most popular person there was uh, Matt Dallas from Kyle XY. Seems to have a really big following. And um, it was cool to, to hear Ira Bauer, Bauer, I don't remember his name. Um, he's uh, the creator of DS9, and he's also the creator of the 4400s. Um, he mentioned why in uh, the end of the first season of the 4400s, they kind of spill the beans. They tell you everything that's happening, why they're here, who took them. The whole story was wrapped up, and that's because the network said it was going to be a miniseries only and was not going to be carried on to a series. But then, of course, they changed their mind at the last minute, which was kind of you know bad because they they told everything at the end of the first season. So they had to really scramble to come up with some new stories and some new ideas. And um, they said it really they're actually happy that it happened this way because it took the story into a directions that they never even expected so that was really cool skeet was really appreciative of the fans because obviously jericho was brought back by fans that was a lot of fun uh after that panel was the big heroes panel season two 
Um, they have the entire cast except uh, the actor who plays uh, DL, which kind of leads me to believe that he'll be the actor that does not come back who does actually die um, in season two. But we'll see what happens. But everyone else was there, um, and they actually introduced a new cast member, uh, a Latino girl. Um, she was in X-Men 3, and I, I can't remember her name at the moment. But she's a new hero with powers. That uh, She's a regular. Didn't really give anything away on the heroes panel. Everyone was really tight-lipped and um, didn't say a lot. But uh, they did show us a, a sneak peek of Season 2, and it looked awesome. And yeah, I mean, the, I think the biggest news was they announced Kevin Smith was going to do the, the episode of Heroes Origins. He was going to direct it. So they brought him on stage and of course everyone went crazy. But um, yeah, Heroes Origins isn't going to air until season two is over. So I guess they said there's a, like an 11 episode block and then they're going to go on hiatus and then they'll finish up the season with the with the, the remaining block the 12 episodes i think it is and then there'll be six episodes of heroes origins after that so um a lot of good hero stuff coming up uh, the cast was fun and as usual you know they're really appreciative of the fans um which makes it great so um it was a lot of fun the next panel was the battlestar galactica and come to find out it was called the women of battlestar because all uh women actresses showed up um you had uh, Katie Sockoff, who's uh, Starbuck, um, the actress who played um, the president. Um, she was there, and uh, number six was there, along with the two uh, executive producers, uh, Ron Moore and David Ike. I think is his name. Um, and again, this year, I don't know what it was. It seemed like everyone was very tight-lipped. They didn't really give away too much. They didn't want to say too much. Um, they give us a little tidbits here and there, but nothing super mind-blowing revelations. Uh, it was still a fun panel. It was fun to see these three women interact with each other. Because um, a lot of them don't work with each other on set because a lot of the women don't interact. Um, but it was really fun. And then the big surprise was they brought Lucy Lawless out, who plays number three, I think. Yeah, she was the one that was boxed. Um, and they actually said she was coming back. Um, for I think it was a two to three story arc so uh, everybody went crazy there um, and I think that was only the really only major news was the fact that Lucy Lawless was coming back um, yeah they talked about the movie the TV movie Razor they didn't really um, give away too much information other than it's the Pegasus story which a lot of us already knew that um, we will see some of our main characters in it but it basically is a whole new set of people who, uh, you know, it's their story of what happened after the Cylons attacked. Um, we are going to see some original Cylons in this episode, uh, in this movie, which is really cool. But overall, it was a, it was a fun, you know, entertaining panel, um, and everyone was great. Uh, the next panel was Futurama, which uh, I'm not a huge Futurama fan, but um, I wanted to see Joss Whedon, which was the panel after, so I sat through it. And it actually wound up being a really good panel. They, uh, I don't know any fans out there, but it was canceled, the TV series. And uh, slowly but surely, the fans have brought it back. And they're doing four two-hour movies. And those movies are going to be cut down into 30-minute episodes, which will air on Comedy Central. Um, but the movies will be re uh, directly released to DVD. So uh, they had like this little mini comic book that they brought that they handed out to the, everybody. And the entire cast was there, so they did a live reading for us which uh, I have to say was awesome. Um, seeing actors do these voices that you've seen on TV, you know, it's just amazing. So I was really happy that I actually stayed by and uh, watched this panel. And the last panel of the day uh, was Joss Whedon. It was him alone, no cast, no crew, no nothing else, just him standing on stage answering questions, which was a lot of fun. He did talk about his movie Goners, which he's, it's like a personal favor of his that he's been trying to work on forever. Um, he talked about Reaper, which uh, Buffy fans know. That's Giles. Um, they're doing an actual 90-minute Reaper TV movie for BBC, which hopefully will make it somehow over here to the U.S. Um, so he did talk about that's that's been green-lighted. He's still doing uh, Buffy Season 8 comic book, and he says he does see an uh, end in sight, but he plans already has plans for a Buffy season nine comic book. 
Uh, same thing with Angel Season 6. They are going ahead with that. He does not plan on calling it Angel Season 6, but it definitely will be a continuation from the TV series. So technically it is the sixth season, even though it's not going to be called that. Serenity, he made a comment about their possibility of being a Serenity 2 movie if the sales of the Serenity, uh, Serenity Special Edition DVD go well. Um, he said the studio obviously knows it can make money or wouldn't be doing a special edition. Uh, it sells really well. Um, the movie finally has made it money, its money back. Um, he, there might not be another movie, big screen movie, but he, he said there is a possibility of a, another DVD. So if, this, if the Serenity Special Edition sells really well, Universal might actually do a direct-to-DVD, another Serenity movie, which would be awesome. So um, he went on, you know, that's, he had such great stories. It's just fun. You can just listen to him talk and talk, and uh, you never get bored because he's just such an interesting man. Um, he talked a little bit about his Wonder Woman script. Um, talked about how, you know, it uh, didn't do well and they didn't like the way, the direction he was going. Uh, the really cool thing is, uh, what I didn't know, is that he told a story about how he had planned to bring Tara back on Buffy. Because um, a lot of fans were upset that Tara was killed. And he said that he had written in where Buffy would be able to get one wish. Um, she can wish for anything in the world. And the whole episode is her trying to figure out what she wants to wish for. And in the end, she comes into Willow's bedroom. And she says, you remember, you know, the shoes we saw in uh, the store window? You know, those really expensive ones. And Willow was just totally taken back. Like, oh my god, you're going to wish? You get one wish and you're going to wish for shoes? And Buffy laughs and says, of course not. And walks out. And as Willow turns around, Tara's standing there. Because uh, Buffy wished her back into existence. Josh said it was going to be one of those big, wow, Buffy major events and everyone would be talking about it, um, but they just couldn't work out a deal. Um, I don't know if it was, you know, with the actress or just time, or, but somehow they just couldn't, couldn't work it out, and so it never happened, and that's when Joss made Kennedy, which, of course, the entire audience moaned, because I guess people don't like Kennedy, but uh, anyways, it was a fun time. Um, it, it's always fun to listen to Joss talk. And um, that pretty much concluded my Saturday. Um, I was exhausted after that, so I just went back to the hotel and crashed. Um, and for Sunday, I had planned to see the 4400 panel, the Jericho panel, and the Flash Gordon panel. But of course, uh, I was in panels all day Saturday, so I decided to do nothing but the dealer room floor. And I walked around for about four or five hours and enjoyed all the people in costumes and Got some good deals on some toys and action figures. It was a nice ending to a, what was a really crazy, crazy weekend. Four days is a long time to be surrounded by thousands and thousands of people. and um, It was very exhausting and, and I'm glad it's over. But it was a fun experience and I look forward to Comic-Con 2008. So I hope you guys enjoyed my reports and I will uh, talk to you all later. Bye. Well, thanks so much for your uh, reports, uh, that one and the other ones you sent in, Kenny. Those are great. Uh, it really makes you feel like you've been there and, and got to experience it a little bit sort of vicariously through uh, your uh, your visit to Comic-Con. So thanks a lot, Kenny. Yeah, it's uh, I've never been to a Comic-Con. I've been to a lot of Star Trek conventions and other cons, but I haven't made it to San Diego for a Comic-Con, but I do try or do plan to uh, try to do that some year is it something about all those people though? Kind of, kind of uh, frightens me. I was in Taiwan with all these people walking around, surrounding me. But it, it's, I guess, I kind of like the smaller cons. But I still, you know, I'm still going to pr- try to make it out there one time. Uh, one thing I didn't hear in your reports, Kenny, that I, I wondered if you if you heard much about, and I'll have to listen to uh, maybe some of the other Star Wars type podcasts out there and things that emphasize that. Uh, but I didn't hear a whole lot about Star Wars or Star Wars news on the animated series or the live action. I know they had, of course, the uh, the big Star Wars Con Celebration 4 back in May and probably got most of the information out there uh, because of the, uh, I think you talked about when you went, uh, you know, they released and showed the uh, animated kind of trailer for the animated series and all that. But I was curious if Comic-Con had any more Star Wars news or anything. But And, of course, the... Uh, you know, the big Star Trek news that came out of Comic-Con was 
the announcement with uh, you know Zachary Quinto playing Spock in the new movie. Not a lot of new Trek movie news this week. I'm, since uh, Kenny had that uh, fairly long Comic Con report, I'm not going to talk about all the individual news. There is the big Star Trek Vegas convention that's going on this weekend as we speak out in Las Vegas. And if anyone uh, who listens to the podcast happens to be out there, I'd I'd love an audio report or or something. Uh, if you can send it in, you can always call the voicemail line, which is 206-666-127. And uh, be glad to uh, play whatever you could send in if you're at the Vegas Star Trek Con, which is the big pretty much the big creation star trek convention of the year uh they do a couple of them they do one in the springtime in uh pasadena in california and then this big vegas one i think the vegas ones almost become bigger because of course they have the big star trek experience out there and all that so but from what i've been seeing online there there isn't a lot of new information or news about the film about the, the star trek movie coming out i've been hearing a few little rumors i'll toss those out there's a, a a Russian a Russian actor who's Russian by birth, who their uh, the, his name is Anton something or the other. I'm sorry, but uh, it's all over the internet. Uh, Trekmovie.com has got some information, uh, but anyway, he's uh, he's supposedly in the running for uh, the role of Chekhov in the movie. It seems like they are going to recast all of the uh, principal actors or the principal uh, characters again for the movie. Um, the there was a cast report going out about descriptions of the different characters they were looking for and actors to play them, which pretty much described uh, all our main crew from the original series that we know and, and love. Uh, let's see what else have I heard about the movie. Uh, there's rumors that it may be may have some of it filmed in Iceland, uh, which would be kind of cool. That might be kind of an exotic, interesting place to uh, do some f- uh, location filming in Iceland. And uh, that's about it. They're supposed to start shooting in early November. They've got to get this cast nailed down pretty soon, though. There's not much time, really, I I think, uh, especially for the biggie role of uh, Captain Kirk. I think that's uh, a major, uh, uh, well, it's obviously a huge thing. They've got to come up with uh, a really good actor to play that role. I think uh, a lot of the movie is going to hinge on that decision, so we'll see how that turns out. Uh, so that's about it for Trek news and information. I've got a, uh, a re- another uh, book review here from the Duffster. This is another Star Trek book review from our friend uh, over at ReadMoreSciFi.com. So listen to this, and I'll be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Duffster, and this is your Trek book review. Today we're going to talk about the book uh, World Without End by Joe Haldeman. This book was published in 1979, and it was uh, Joe Haldeman's second Star Trek book. Uh, the first one being Planet of Judgment, which I talked about recently. Um, World Without End is, is a real good book. Um, the kind of interesting backstory is that Joe Haldeman was uh, contracted to do two Star Trek books. He liked Planet of Judgment. He uh, wanted to get out of his contract, but uh, he couldn't, so he wrote this one. He wasn't. He didn't like it. He ran away from Star Trek after that. Uh, but you know what? It's a really good book. It's uh, it's an interesting society he's created with different casts of, of these Chatelia creatures. Um, they can't even speak to each other. They need interpreters for each cast. They each have a different language. Uh, it's, the, the, our Enterprise discovers a rogue planet they believe or it's actually a spaceship traveling through space they beam inside get trapped and that leads them on their their adventures uh, of course uh, no Star Trek book would be complete without our friends the Klingons they show up to, to try to spoil the parade too um, it, 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 this was a good read it's uh, like I said it was a really interesting um, world that he created and uh, I enjoyed it I'm uh, going to go ahead and give this book uh, 4 out of 5 Live Long and Prospers and you know what uh, a lot of that is just for the fact that Joe Haldeman is just a really good writer so um, I think that's going to about wrap it up but of course I got to leave you at the following read more science fiction ta-ta Thanks, uh, Duffster, for your book review. Always great to hear from you and about uh, some of those more early Star Trek novels. Uh, Really uh, good stuff. Uh, I read those so long ago. I've got to go back and reread some of them like you're doing. But thanks again. And you can learn more about uh, the Duffster and the books he's reading over at readmoresci-fi.com. 
Speaking of reading, and uh, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but this was uh, one of one of the best things about actually going on my Taiwan trip was a lot of time in an airplane. Uh, even though uh, most people wouldn't call that a good thing, the the best part about that for me, at least, is it get, gets gives me ah, <laughs> excuse me, need more lemonade, which is the drink of the day today. I uh, it gives me more time, gives me more time to read, and I read Harry. Potter and the Deathly Hollows on my trip to Taiwan. Uh, all I'm going to say is, is, is this book is great. Uh, if you're a, at all a Harry Potter fan, definitely pick this book up and read it soon. Uh, I, I hope you, if you haven't read it and you're planning on reading it, that you haven't been spoiled by uh, other people that have talked about it and you know things on the internet, TV, magazines, whatever. It's all over the place. Although that's sort of died down now since it's been out for a few couple, two, three weeks now. But uh, definitely pick it up. Uh, I, I thought it was great. Uh, I, I thought J.K. Rowling did a great job tying everything together in the book. Uh, I'm not, like I said, going to spoil anything or give anything away. But uh, I'd say right about now it's probably my favorite of the, of the Harry Potter books. It, I, I just really liked it. And uh, it, it, it's very, uh, it gets very emotional in spots, of course, which you'd expect for the, the final book in the Harry Potter saga. And, uh, well, it was... Uh, just a great read. I, I almost want to just pick it up again right now and start reading it again. So that uh, I, I can't say enough, uh, I guess, good things about it. And I was reading something Stephen King uh, wrote about J.K. Uh, Rowling. You know, he's a big fan, big fan of the books. And, you know, and he said that, uh, and other people have noted this, I think, too, is that her writing has uh, definitely increased uh and gotten uh, tighter, better, and everything since she started the Harry Potter books, which is to be expected. You know that that's uh, she she's been writing for a while, but this has been her bread and butter and what she's been living with for for a number of years. And I think it really shows what uh, you know that uh, her her strength as a writer really comes through in this last book. So definitely pick up Deathly Hallows, read it. Uh, if you're even a, a slight Harry Potter fan, you owe it to yourself to read these books. Even if you've only seen the movies, you should definitely read the book. So uh, that's about all I'll say on Harry Potter. Rico, we'll be right back with more sci-fi goodness on Treks in Sci-Fi. Oh, one last thing I, I wanted to mention before uh, I get into our uh, Enterprise episode, which uh, I'm going to have to speed through a little bit. We're almost a half hour into the podcast this week. Um, is uh, I was at a, a charity movie marathon. There's a local movie theater called Imagine here in Michigan that every year for, oh, quite a few years now, I think I've gone, this may be about my fourth time to it, uh, the Children's Leukemia Foundation sponsors this movie marathon at a local theater. And basically for a, uh, a donation, uh, you can collect pledges, or I usually just donate money. You can go see all the movies you want to see in in, a, in the particular day. They do it for 24 hours from, uh, it was this past Friday to Saturday, from 10 a.m. Friday to 10 a.m. Saturday. Uh, I was still a little bit tired from my Taiwan trip, so I only saw four movies, but they were basically the four movies I hadn't seen yet uh, that are out that I wanted to see. Uh, I saw Stardust, uh, The Bourne Supremacy, uh, Rush Hour 3, and The Simpsons movie. Uh, the, the main one I wanted to talk about, since it's the only one that's sort of sci-fi fantasy of those, is uh, Stardust, which is, uh, which is a really good movie, and I hope it doesn't get sort of lost in this sort of end-of-summer movie time. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a really sweet fantasy kind of movie. Robert De Niro is in it, Claire Danes, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, I'm sorry, but I don't know the new actor's uh, name that plays the male lead. He plays a, a character called Tristan, but uh, it, it's a it's a really good movie. It has great effects. Uh, it's a nice fantasy tale. Uh, it's very difficult to describe, though. It was based on a graphic novel uh, that was out uh, uh, quite a few years back, and they do a great job with it, uh, really visually and the music. And it just really comes together really well. I really enjoyed it, and. Uh, definitely be buying it on dvd so go see stardust if you haven't seen it yet okay so let's get into this week's episode uh trek episode which is going to be enterprise season three twilight now this episode was uh written by a guy named mike sussman uh who uh has worked on and written quite a few things uh for trek and other tv shows and uh was also directed by robert duncan mcneil of course which is uh he played tom paris on voyager and now has gone uh He's kind of gone more into the directing route. Uh, I'm not sure how much acting he's been doing lately, but he's been directing a lot of stuff, a lot of television and things. So this episode was directed by him. 
And of course, he knows Star Trek really well. This episode, Twilight, was uh, fairly early in the third season, which is the whole Zindi uh, season of Enterprise. And where I think Enterprise really kicks off and, and, and kicks into a new gear, I think, in the third season. This episode was the one, uh, basically there's an accident near the beginning. There are these spatial anomalies out there in, in the uh, expanse that the Enterprise is traveling through to discover the Zindi and find out more about their weapon and all that. And there's an accident aboard Enterprise, and uh, Captain Archer is injured. Uh, and basically what starts to happen with him is he can't form any new long-term memories. So each day he wakes up, it's like it was. Uh, the, the, he sort of relive, relives almost the same day over and over again to a degree. He doesn't remember anything that happened from the previous day. He remembers things that happened up to the accident, and, and then just uh, after that, his, his he can't form any new memories. These organisms are lodged in his uh, brain, basically, and they're keeping him from forming any new memories. And what this turns into is sort of a. a a tale of uh, uh, sort of an, uh, an alternate uh, future history where T'Pol ends up caring for Archer uh, because uh, she feels sort of responsible. He kind of saves her during this uh, accident, and he's the one that's knocked down, and, and this accident um, messes him up. So it's also a lot like, of course, the movie from a few years back called Memento, where a guy uh, also had this, a similar problem. He couldn't remember anything uh, new that would happen to him day to day, and he would sort of write things down. And uh, I'm not going to say that much about it because that's a very interesting and cool movie. You should definitely see Memento, but it really reminds you of uh, of that movie. And, and this kind of a thing has been done a little bit before in other stories and other TV and movies and things. But what I like about it is you get to see the characters and the actors in a little different light. Uh, this movie, or this movie, excuse me, this TV sh- TV episode, this episode of Enterprise, uh, takes you into the future about a dozen years or so. You get to see the actors aged a little bit. Uh, lots of neat little things. So let's play the preview to Twilight, and we'll get into it. UPN Wednesday, a stunning Star Trek Enterprise. In the blink of an eye, Earth, their greatest fear. Destroyed. How could it have happened? We could have saved them. And who will pay? You are relieved of command. The Enterprise you must not miss. Yeah, that, uh, you know, the, the previews for some of the Enterprise episodes, I noticed, uh, weren't all that great. They were kind of short, uh, you know, time as time has gone on. It's funny, the original series used to put out sometimes, you know, minute-long previews for the episodes, uh, the next episodes. And as time has gone on, that Enterprise one, for example, there was only 20 seconds long. Uh, it just shows how, I guess, people's attention spans or the way they advertise and, and that has changed over the years. But, you know, if you noticed in that preview, they don't really talk about Archer and the accident that happens in this episode. They talk about Earth being destroyed, and that's one of the results. Uh, this is sort of like uh, Marvel Comics. Uh, they do these comic books called What If? And this is sort of a What If? scenario. You know, Archer and the crew of the Enterprise have been set with this mission to find the Zindi weapon and stop them. And there's this accident that happens, and Captain Archer really can't complete that mission. And, and, Part of the what if or, or the scenario that plays out in this is because of that and other things that don't happen that he helps with uh, that that happen uh, that would have happened is that uh, the Zindi are successful they destroy Earth uh, the Enterprise is pretty messed up T'Pol has to take command of Enterprise and the me- the weapon isn't they're not they're not able to get to uh, the place in time. And the weapon destroys Earth, and that's what the preview sort of emphasized, which I guess is kind of dramatic, and there's a cool big effect. Uh, I think it's the only episode of the third season of Enterprise where you really get to see what would have happened if the Enterprise hadn't been successful in stopping the Zindi weapon, where it makes it to Earth. There's a a cool special effect uh, as the weapon is, is blasting Earth and blows Earth apart and all that. And you don't really ever see that because, of course, by the end of the third season, the Enterprise is successful. Of course it has to be. We all know that this is a, a Trek series in the past, and there, you know, the Earth does not get destroyed. So that does that, that's kind of inevitable and has to happen. But this, again, is a what-if situation where Archer is, is uh, taken out of commission, uh, no longer captain of the Enterprise, and the Zindi are successful. So, well, let's get through the episode. I've got about a nine, eight, 
eight more clips to play from this episode, which I collected up. Uh, the first one is with Dr. Phlox, who uh, was a really cool character, I think, on Enterprise. He talks about what's uh, uh, wrong with the captain and what's, uh, what's happened to him after the accident. What's going on, Phlox? The anomaly in the corridor left something behind. We've never seen it before. This is a microcellular scan of your hippocampus. You've been infected by several clusters of parasites. They haven't caused any tissue damage, but they're impairing certain synaptic functions. They're preventing you from forming new, long-term memories. Long-term? You can recall events that happened before the infection, but everything after fades within a few hours. Captain, you've been in sickbay for the past three days. You last spoke to Commander Tucker about seven hours ago. He came to see you, right here. You can't remove these parasites? So far, they haven't responded to any traditional therapies. But I'm, um, synthesizing an antigen that shows some promise. You can be assured I won't stop working on this until I find a cure. The doctor continued to search for a remedy over the next several weeks. Commander Tucker and I did our best to keep you updated each day on the progress of our mission. It looked like we had a lead on that Zindi ship, the one we planted the tracking device on, but... It turned out to be a garbage scow. Now, one of the one of the things I really like about this uh, episode, Twilight, is it, it reminds me a little bit about the uh, of the Deep Space Nine episode uh, where Jake ages and his father's been killed. It's another what if situation uh, like that, and, and sort of fairly emotional. You get to see characters uh, in, in different ways. This, uh, you, you know, if you can imagine, you know, a character like Captain Archer who's always uh, trying to help and be in charge and, you know, to complete his mission to be so uh, locked in and frustrated by not being able to do that and not being able to be, you know, continue to make a difference and to stop the Zindi. It's it's a very frustrating situation for him. And what they do is they show this episode basically in a couple of places. One is sort of in the in their present, and then it flash forwards, uh, flash forwards ahead uh, about a dozen years or so where, Archer is on a uh, sort of an Earth colony after the destruction of the Earth with T'Pol. So that's how it kind of plays out. But r- real interesting stuff gives the actor something different to do. I- I- I'm sure that they enjoyed this. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention at the Star Trek.com website, if you go to the link uh, to this episode there, and I'll try to link this uh, directly in the notes for the podcast this week, there is some audio commentary uh, for this episode that they did uh, uh with the, uh, I believe it's with the writer uh, and the editor for this episode. So if you want to listen to their take on Twilight, uh, I'll link that in the show notes. The next clip is uh, with the uh, with a lot of the clips that I got here uh, that got here that that I collected are with uh, Archer, uh, Scott Bakula, and T'Pol. Uh, they they have a lot of exchanges in this episode. Uh, she's been sort of caring for him. She feels responsible. So here's one of those exchanges. They relieved you of duty and granted me a field commission. Forrest made you captain. I suppose congratulations are in order, even if they are belated. I guess these parasites weren't so easy to remove after all. Flocks discovered that the organisms are from a domain outside normal space-time. They exist in a state of interspatial flux. None of his treatments had any effect on them. What about the mission? Did you find the Zindi weapon? After several months of searching, we learned where the weapon was being constructed. But the Zindi knew we were getting close. They dispatched two vessels to intercept us. Yeah, there's uh, Jolene Blaylock uh, is playing at T'Pol there. I think she's, uh, you know, sort of one of the unsung uh, heroes, actresses, uh, or actors uh, in Enterprise. I, you know, it's it's always going to be hard to play that kind of a character, play a Vulcan where you don't get to use your emotions because emotions are so... I think useful and, and important to an actor to convey what they're you know whatever role they're playing, 
and to, to play a Vulcan is, is probably, you know, being like almost anti-acting. So it's it takes a very subtle touch, I think, to do it, and, and she definitely has it and, and does a good job. The next clip here is when uh, they're discussing uh, Earth and what happened with the Zindi. The, I, I wanted to say something about that last scene that the clip led into. There, there's a very cool scene there where the Zindi ships are attacking Enterprise, and T'Pol does sort of a Captain Kirk move where, in order to save the Enterprise, she sort of rams the one of the ships into the other. Uh, it damages Enterprise quite a bit, but it takes the other two ships out of the picture. So uh, it's a very cool scene with some neat effects. But this next clip, again, is with uh, T'Pol, I think, and Archer talking about Earth. So listen to this. We located the facility where the Zindi constructed the probe. But it had already been deployed. Earth. Destroyed. They didn't stop at your homeworld. They attacked every human outpost they could find. Mars, Alpha Centauri, Vega Colony, all were destroyed. How many of us are left? Less than 6,000. Also have some uh, uh, kind of unusual and nice music uh, used in this episode. Very uh, dramatic, uh, kind of very emotional. Kind of uh, you know, there's some big emotional things that happen in this episode. Obviously, Earth being destroyed is probably near the top of that list. Uh, but again, uh, Archer there pops out in this uh, this kind of uh, well little house habitat that they're living in on this colony, which is actually here's a little trivia uh, point for you. It's SETI Alpha 5 that they're on, which is one of, uh, you know, the planets in the SETI Alpha system that Khan is is marooned on. So I uh, thought that was kind of interesting that they, I didn't pick up on that until they, until I watched this episode again when I was collecting clips. But um, again, the, you know, emotions here are pretty heightened and, and to Paul uh, taking care of uh, Captain Archer. One of the things that happens in this episode is she slowly learns uh, more about him and learns to sort of really... Uh, sort of form an emotional attachment to Archer over the years of caring for him, where each day he wakes up, he's just sort of seeing her like he saw her the day before the accident as another uh, person on his crew, you know, sort of a friend, but that's it. And and she, over time, uh, taking care of him, uh, sort of becomes uh, a lot more emotionally attached than maybe she'll even admit. So, so that's an interesting point. Uh, the next clip. This is, of course, uh, this is right before the, uh, uh, this, this episode sort of flashes a, around in time a little bit. She, she's sort of telling a story to Archer, bringing them up to the present. And this uh, next clip is going back when uh, she first resigns from Enterprise to, to spend basically the rest of her uh, days, or at least she thinks, to take care of Captain Archer. I'd like to head down with a survey team and start scouting for colony sites. You're needed on Enterprise. The civilian leaders are going to want to meet with you. Me? You're the one to deal with. I'm resigning my commission. You sure you want to do this? Captain Archer will be better off on the surface with the others. He'll need a caretaker, someone he trusts. I can't be in two places at the same time. You're making one hell of a sacrifice. Why? I have my reasons. The civilian ships were disassembled for their components and raw materials. We used them to construct the settlement. So, yeah, she leaves Trip in command of Enterprise uh, as captain, the new captain of the ship, and goes to the colony with Archer to take care of him. You know, that's a pretty big thing, but she feels so responsible for what happened. It's almost like the Klingon uh, life debt thing. Is that right? Clicking on life debt? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> anyway, the uh, I want to roll right in kind of into the next clip here, which is Phlox and T'Pol talking about uh, how she's become attached to Archer over the years. So listen to this. 
I'm remaining at the settlement for the time being. He may need my help during his recovery. Have you told the captain how you feel about him? It's obvious you've become quite attached. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Vulcans experience the same emotions as any other species. They're simply better at hiding them. I'm not hiding anything. He risked his life to save me. I'm merely repaying a debt. I can only imagine what it must have been like. Spending all those years in that house, learning so much about him, yet he remembers nothing about you. Beyond the day he became ill. If we are successful, perhaps... Uh, Things will be different. Well, I know the uh, other thing that this uh, episode reminds me of is that movie with Adam Sandler uh, from a few years back with Drew, Mar- Drew Barrymore uh, called Fifty First Dates. That movie, if you haven't seen it, basically same sort of idea at least. She has a uh, condition. I forget what it was from in the movie, but anyway, she uh, she doesn't remember anything from day to day either anymore uh she's sort of fixed in a certain time period and can't form any new memories and adam sandler each day sort of reminds her of how much he he cares for her and so forth uh, it's a cute movie definitely worth seeing i think uh and very much like this and what they're trying to get across in this episode of enterprise the next one is a uh this is the point of course in the episode where you know you you realize they've got to come up with an answer for this and flocks does come up with a uh, an answer and a way to solve the problem of these parasites in Archer's head. So listen to this clip. This scan was taken over 12 years ago. The cluster has disappeared from all the scans I've taken over the last 12 years. It's as though it never existed at all. By destroying the organisms in the present, we appear to have neutralized them in the past. We know they're from another spatial domain. Apparently, they also exist outside of time. If we can eliminate all of the parasites, it's possible. The captain's infection will never have occurred. History may be altered. Captain Archer will have remained in command of Enterprise. Our mission in the Expanse could have an entirely different outcome. We only have to divert power for a few hours. I am certain I can complete the procedure in that time. I'm sorry. We need all the power we've got for the weapons. If the Zindi are on the way, there's very little we can do to stop them. Well, we can't just run up the white flag. Bridge to Captain Tucker. You'd better get up here, sir. I'm on my way. Yeah, so Flox does, you know, he comes up with this treatment, and what they discover, which is an interesting twist on things, is that these organisms then are disappearing from, like he he said, these scans and and diagrams and tests that he ran from years past, which basically means each, you know, as long as if they eliminate the whole infection in Archer, it will eliminate it throughout the past 12 years where it will have never really have infected him to begin with. And, you know, there you sort of have that parallel universe time paradox thing it's like well they haven't really done it yet so how can that really change what's happened up until that point uh that's one where your head starts to get a little bit you know at least if you're like me your head gets a little fuzzy and you're, you get a little bit of a headache but you know star trek has always proposed this idea of you know parallel universes of each thing that you do sort of having a slightly you know changing the universe changing your your path in life slightly differently in each one each possibility you know if you were going to turn left what happens if you would have turned right type of thing so this idea here is that okay yes in the in the the history that they originally had things went bad with the zindi but now they're changing that by eliminating archer's uh parasitic infection so that uh the you know the past is is changed there's another possible uh, outcome from what happens so you know it's it's a bit of a stretch but that's sci-fi it's star trek so that's what you got to live with the next clip a couple left here this one is in the engine room of enterprise they they have this chambers where they've been giving these treatments to uh, captain archer but of course they're under attack by the zindi here everything's kind of coming together at the last minute of the episode and uh, the the chamber that they've been using gets destroyed so listen to this clip and then they have an alternative way to stop things, which, of course, involves blowing up the ship. I'm sorry, Captain. The chamber's been damaged. Didn't you say we could destroy the parasites with a subspace implosion? Yes, but that can we create one? We would have to overload three plasma injectors. That would send a feedback pulse through the reactor. You'll destroy the ship? At this point, 
It won't make much of a difference. You two get to a shuttle pod. You're only after humans. If this doesn't work out, you'll still have a chance. That's an order. With all due respect, you are relieved of command. One of the plasma injectors was damaged. We'll have to replace it. Third supply locker C, on the upper level. Yeah, there's uh, some cool stuff here at the end in the engine room. Uh, there's, there, you know, Phlox kind of gets to be a little bit of a hero. There's a lot of gun battles with Zindi there boarding Enterprise. Neat stuff. And, and, of course, Enterprise gets blown up. So, like I said earlier on, there's a lot of cool special effects in this episode that you don't get to see a lot to, in the show in general. Uh, which you wouldn't think for uh, what the episode sort of starts out to be that you would see that kind of stuff. But they, they kind of really went out all went all out in this and, and i think it's uh it, it ends up being a very good episode now of course this implosion does fix things archer is uh all the parasites are gone so therefore they're gone in the past which means he never gets the infection and we're back in uh at least the present the present of the enterprise which is just after the accident and archer wakes up in sick bay and there's a cool yeah kind of a cute little scene where Tapal is seeing him uh in bed checking on him make sure he's okay and uh, she gets to sort of play nursemaid like she does for 12 years in the alternate timeline. So listen to this, and this will be the last clip, and then I'll be right back. Oh, would you mind bringing me another pillow? (sighs) Would you turn down the lights just... Anything else? No, that's great. You know, you'd make a wonderful nurse. season episode of Enterprise, Star Trek Enterprise, called Twilight. My little look at it. Uh, good one. I, I think uh, they did a lot of good episodes of Enterprise, especially the last few seasons, and I'm going to try to sprinkle those in like I, I do, uh, you know, sort of rotate through all the different Star Trek series and, and get a little uh, little bit of all the shows. Uh, I have to say, though, that for some reason, I, well, I guess it's not really too surprising, but uh, I miss the you know Enterprise more than maybe even any of the other uh, Star Trek series that they've done. You know they the other series, especially uh, TNG, Deep Space, Voyager, those that lasted for seven years each, they really felt like they got a chance to tell what they the stories they needed to tell and what they wanted to tell. And by the time the shows ended, it, you know they kind of had a satisfying ending to some degree. But Enterprise really was cut short, and and I'll always kind of miss uh, miss what uh, you know would have continued and t- taken place you know with the show i'll have to check out uh, enterprise uh, novels and books and see what they've got out there for that show i'm going to take a quick break and while i do that i'm going to let the moyers take over uh, the show for here a minute or two and talk about uh they don't have a star trek uh, look or look at this episode this week but they do have a look at the movie underdog so here are the moyers and i'll be right back hi this is rick and this is Catherine. And this is the Father, Father and, and Daughter, Daughter Review. Review. Well, today, Rico, we have a great review for you uh, for the movie Underdog. Catherine and I went to it last week, and I got some popcorn and sat in the movie theater. And Catherine, what did you think of the movie Underdog? I think it was really good. I really liked it a lot. What are some of the cool things you liked about Underdog? What what were what some of the things you liked about it? That it was a really funny movie, and... We laughed a lot, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It was was really funny. funny. I liked it. How do you think they did on the character of Underdog? He was... The voice of the guy was uh, Jason Lee. He did the voice of Underdog, but it sure looked like he was talking, didn't it? Yep. They did really good at um, doing that stuff. The special effects? Yeah. How did you like it when the cats talked? That was pretty fun, too, wasn't it? Uh-huh. That was good. What did you think of the evil villain, Dr. Simon, how did he say his name? Uh, Bar Sinister. 
He was evil. Yeah. <laughs> he was like... A short guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then his sidekick was somebody that you thought was kind of cool. Uh, his sidekick was um, um, uh, Cad. Remember Cad? And he's mm-hmm. Patrick uh, Warburton. And he, he does a bunch of, of voices in the cartoons you like. Which, in which cartoons does he do voices? Um, he does Kronk on Emperor's New School. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, and he's also on Buzz Lightyear. Star Command. He's he does Buzz. the alien. I don't think he's Buzz. I think. I think he I is. don't know. He does. He does the Emperor's New School, and he does Family Guy. You don't watch that though. Uh, but he's on all sorts of different things. He was on uh, Chicken Little, and he does a bunch of different voices for different cartoons. And Kim Possible, he was on that too. Oh yeah, he's the teacher person. Yeah. yeah. So you know him. Uh-huh. Okay, so basically the plot of Underdog was what. It was about this dog who got this um, stuff on him, so he got superpowers. Mm-hmm. And before he was like, he wasn't really that good of a security dog, so he was feeling really sad that day. So he was pretty happy when he could do lots of this other stuff. And so he ends up doing some really cool stuff. We won't blow it if people want to watch the movie. But mm-hmm. let me tell you, um, or let me ask you, would you recommend this movie for young people? Yes, I don't think grown-ups would like it as much as kids will. It was kind of cheesy, wasn't it? Yeah, but I liked it. You liked it. Okay. And so how old are you? I'm 11. 11. So you think other 11-year-olds and younger would like it? Uh-huh. All I right. think they would. I kind of got a kick out of it, too. But I probably wouldn't like go see it a whole bunch. But you would go see it again, wouldn't you? Yeah. Okay. All right. So how many stars do you give it? Out of five stars, what do you give Underdog? Four. Four stars. And I'm going to give it uh, I'm going to give it three stars because I thought it was an okay movie but not spectacular. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Okay. Well, hopefully everybody will enjoy seeing Underdog. You might want to take your kids to it on the big screen. Other than that, get it on DVD and watch it at home with the kids. That'll be fun. Eat popcorn. It'll, it'll be great, huh? Have your dog by you. Yeah. I have, yeah. Put your dog next to you. He, he, they, they'd enjoy it, wouldn't they? Uh-huh. All right. Well, this is Rick. And this is Catherine. And this has been The, the Father, Father and, and Daughter, Daughter Review. Review. Well, thanks very much, Rick and Catherine, for that review of Underdog. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie yet, but I'll uh, I'll probably pick it up and watch that when it comes out on DVD. So thanks very much for that review. Very nice. And uh, as a quick collectible review, I got a few packages uh, when I was off in Taiwan. I always seem to uh, end up showing on the door, oh, showing up at the doorstep. When I'm gone, uh, Lynn, my wife, is uh, I always warn her before I go out of town. I said, well, I should only be getting maybe one box or whatever. And I don't know. I think I ended up with three different things, although one of them I wasn't expecting. And Well, that's a different uh, discussion anyway. The uh, the one I do want to talk about, though, is a Gentle Giant uh, Deluxe Mini Bus. The one I'm going to talk about today is a Star Wars piece. It's the Coruscant Clone Trooper Deluxe Mini Bus by Gentle Giant. This is a limited edition. It is exclusive to a, a particular website called shopafx.com. Action Figure Express uh, is the name of the website. Uh, these went on, oh, I'm going to sneeze, I think. Excuse me. I, if I do, I, I apologize in advance, everyone. These went on uh, pre-order uh Quite a long time ago, back in the fall, I think even, months and months ago, these went on uh, pre-order and have been sold out for, or pre-sold out even for a long time. Uh, this is uh, one of the uh, classic uh, mini-busts that they've been doing, Gentle Giant's been doing, uh, and this is a clone trooper, of course. It sort of has a gray and weathered look up to him. It, the cool thing about this piece is it comes with extra little parts, arms, weapons, uh, an extra head that looks like Django. Uh, with he's got two different heads. One is the typical uh, clone trooper helmet, and one is the Django look. So, uh, which is very well done. the The appearance and likeness to uh, the actor that played uh, Django Fett in the movies is really well done. But it's got these extra little pieces. I think there's like eight of them, and you can put them, in, uh, you know, in different combinations on him to give him all different kinds of poses with weapons, without weapons, uh, with his arms up, down, you know, around, different heads, different looks. Uh, I'm going to take some pictures of the different uh, items and poses and things like that and put them up on my uh, collection gallery, and I'll link those in the podcast notes because that really tells you the whole story about this piece. It's 
It's very, very well done. I, I'm really glad that I picked it up. I haven't really gotten a lot of the mini busts that Gentle Giant has done, uh, whether they were Star Wars or even other ones. Uh, I've always been more of a full uh, statue-type collector. I like the full look better than I do the mini bust look, but this one is very unique with all the different little pieces and, and goodies that you can put together in different poses and i think the clone trooper too being not a person and, and he's kind of you know the minibus cuts him off kind of at the waist or so it doesn't look so weird you know some of these minibus that they do uh with people kind of cut in half at the waist sitting on a rock or something like that look a little odd to me sometimes but for some reason these these clone troopers don't look like that uh, they look okay so it's, uh, it's a great piece. Uh, you probably can still find them up on eBay, that kind of place. They are shipping these now. I got it about, a, like I said, a week or so ago when I was off in Taiwan. It showed up, and I've had it on pre-order for a long time. So I'm expecting that most of the people out there that pre-order these, I, I think there's uh, some of the guys on the forums that have got one. I think Jedi, maybe Jedi Jeff has got one coming if he didn't get it already. Uh, maybe a couple other people, but um, it's, a, it's a cool piece, uh, great for the Star Wars fan, and very neat that you can put all these pieces in different poses for him. Makes it kind of a unique item and gives you uh, almost, you know, a half a dozen different looks for the price of one item. So that's uh, pretty cool. And Gentle Giant, really good job on this one. You know, Gentle Giant's had its ups and downs lately, I think, for different items of the quality and the, the likenesses and looks and and just uh, what people have been thinking about them. I noticed that they're doing raffles a little differently now, uh, if you're a member of their collector society. So uh, Gentle Giant, uh, GentleGiantsLTD.com if you want to learn more about their company and the items they've got for sale. But I, I still think they do some really slick stuff, and this is definitely one of those things. So there you go. There's my review of the mini bust uh, of the Coruscant Clone Trooper. Well, folks, that's going to just about wrap things up for this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I want to thank everyone, as always, for listening. If you're enjoying the show, uh, please go over to Podcast Alley or iTunes and throw up a review. There are links to those uh, all over the website at TrekSF or TreksInSciFi.com. You can find all that out there. Those are always appreciated. Uh, give me some more reviews up at iTunes. There, there's quite a few there, but I'd like more. Uh, but I'd really appreciate it if you do like the show uh, to throw a review up in there and a vote on Podcast Alley. Next week's show will be a look at probably another Star Trek episode. I haven't decided which yet. And uh, But in two weeks, the weekend of, that'll be August 25th, 26th, I am going to do a Skype group call. Talk about uh, some of the summer movies that we've enjoyed, uh, some of the fall shows that are coming up we're looking forward to seeing. Maybe talk about some of the summer shows uh, that are on the Sci-Fi channel. Flash Gordon just started up. I haven't quite got through all the episode yet, but I, I'm going to finish watching the rest of it today. Uh, I've got it on my TiVo. So, uh, but so in two weeks, and the call will be on August 25th, which will be Saturday, probably sometime afternoon Eastern time. I will announce all that on the website and on the forums. Check out the forums if you're interested, too, uh, at treksf.com. Click on the forum links and sign up and participate in the RPG game. Oh, which which I have to uh, say once more, uh, thanks very much to the Moyers, uh, uh, Jen and Angela, everyone that did the writing and participated in creating that uh, very cool RPG audio drama that we used or I used for uh, last week's podcast. It was uh, great. We've gotten a lot of great feedback from people. They really enjoyed it. So thanks again to you guys for uh, stepping up and doing that while I was off in Taiwan, uh, eating a lot of rice with chopsticks. I'm not very good with chopsticks. Uh, I'm getting better, but uh, I eventually, you know, I'm pretty good at first when you're eating whatever you've uh, been served. and But eventually uh, I get down to that last little bit on my plate, and it gets a little tricky to uh, to pick that up with chopsticks. I eventually just kind of uh, grab a fork or a spoon or whatever I've got handy and, and finish it up. Uh, uh, which reminds me, uh, as far as Taiwan goes again, if you go to the main website and click on my Flickr account, I've got a lot of photos up there from this recent Taiwan trip, from other trips I've taken, conventions, things like that. So take a look at that if you'd like. And uh, it's time for Rico to go. Rico's got to talk about himself in the third person for the first time this week. <laughs> So I hope everybody's enjoyed this show. I'm uh, still getting my feet back on the ground, pretty much back on normal time. So uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, next week's a regular work week for me. So 
uh, it'll be uh, kind of good to be back to the normal uh, routine. So, Oh, and our little puppy, Kaylee, our little golden retriever puppy, got a lot bigger for only being gone for a week. Uh, I was very surprised when I came home. And I've got on the forums this little thing, uh, this little webcam going uh, some days, especially on the weekend, uh, showing uh, her in our kitchen where we've got her sort of penned off. Uh, Kaylee Cam is up and going on the forums, so you might want to check that out. Uh, it pops up occasionally, sometimes in the evenings during the week, sometimes on the weekends, that kind of thing. So that's it for this week. Uh, thanks again for everyone uh, participating on the show, those that uh, sent in the audio, the Moyers. Uh, Kenny, uh, the Duffster, always great to hear from you guys and helping out with uh, your contributions to the show and podcast. So thanks once more uh, to all of them and to you, the listeners, which uh, I wouldn't be doing the show if it wasn't for you guys. So anyway, time to get going, get this edited and uploaded for everyone. So I will talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.